Great to have you here tonight. We are in Philippians, of course, chapter 6. Last week we finished off with verse 5. Called this one, The Conditions of Peace. And there are three conditions of peace that if we will let these reign in our life, put these forth in our life, they will have the peace of God continually. The first one we already saw back in verse 5. And I put in there, the first condition of peace is gentleness with people. Put in parentheses there because it's in mine, it's not in yours. Put in parentheses there and rejoicing. There needs to be that gentleness that we talked about. We need to be, our gentleness needs to be seen by all men. In order for your gentleness, gentleness to be seen by all people, by all, by all men, then it must be continually evident. And so if we lead with gentleness instead of harshness, this is part of the, which gets us into having the peace of God be on, on our lives. But also that rejoicing, rejoicing the Lord always. And as long as we are in a state of rejoicing and being gentle with people, that's the way we lead in. Now again, there's some times that Jesus was not gentle, but he always constantly was gentle. They saw his gentleness before they saw anything else. <clears throat> Verse 6, we've covered these verses pretty extensively in the Sunday morning series, so we're not going to go into all the detail we did there. But in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So if we let our gentleness be made known to all men, stay rejoicing in the Lord, and follow any of these things, he says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We all like to be in peace. Amen. We don't like to be in turmoil. We like to be in peace. Amen. And this is, uh, this is how you get there. Now you can come up with another way to get there, but it won't work. God's the one who made us. God's the one who knows how we operate, how we function. And this is what he said to do. So don't try and reinvent the wheel. This is the way to do it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now he gives us here four Greek terms or four Greek words that are used commonly here for types of prayer. First off, he gives us the prayer, which is the most common word in the New Testament, and it means just general prayer. And that's interpreted here as prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and then he puts in there supplication. Supplication, I gave you the Greek words for it, uh, concerns special times of needs. So there's general times of prayer and, and special times of needs that come up. With thanksgiving, I told you just to wait. Miss <laughs> Phyllis was saying that it hadn't rained yet today. I, I told her when she came in, it says, day's not over. <laughs> and you got a little thunder brewing up there. Glory to God. Anyway, back to this. Thanksgiving. This looks back to previous answers to prayer in which God delivered or provided in. Amen. And we have to have those times of Thanksgiving. We're always looking back to the times that God provided for us, that God did things to help us. And that's what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving always has the ability to look back and see what God has done for us. Amen. And that's why we stay in that area of Thanksgiving. Here's the last one, request. This refers to specific requests for specific needs. If I come up with a specific need, I make that specific request to God. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, we love that idea of, of uh, peace being our guard, but we have to do these things. So be anxious for nothing. Don't let worry get in. Don't let fear get in. 
Fear is really where all this stuff comes from. We're afraid of something happening or something not happening. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to make sure I, oh, I, I put this in your outline for you. A lack of peace in our life is an indication the exer- that the exhortation of verse 6 is not operating in our life. We've got to make sure that these things are in operation. If they're not, if the peace of God is not going on, it doesn't mean that God failed. It doesn't mean we go to God and say, God, what happened? How come this is going? Why isn't the peace of God here? No, God will just point you back to the Word of God and says it's right there. Right there. Get out there and get it. So the second condition to knowing peace is to trust in God. Because if you get into fear, worry, and anxiety, you're basically not trusting God. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So let's take a look at each of these. Whatever things are true, these, these things, what well, we put in your outline this way, what things are more true than the Word of God? That's where the greatest truth is. So think the Word. He says... Whatever things are true, these are the things you're supposed to meditate on. Meditate on the Word. We know that from other places in the Word of God. Meditate on the Word. Whatever things are noble, these are things that are honorable. These are things that, that uh, bring honor in. If the thing that we're thinking about is not honorable, don't think on it. Get it out. If it's not true, if it's not in the Word of God, if it goes against the Word of God, get it out. You don't need to be having that stuff in your head. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, this is just as in fairness. But we have to be able to step outside of ourselves and not just what is fair to me. What is fair overall? Sometimes we can't step out and take a look at that. We have to, we have to understand. I, I know that from uh, selling cars for the little bit of time that I did. That everybody who came in, they wanted to, to, they wanted to rip off the dealership. You know, you can give me this for this, and I know this, how much you pay for it, and all this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, the reason that the car dealership is there is to make money. If you take away their, their avenue of making money, they're just not going to be there anymore. They're just going to go away. There has to be a, a motivation. There has to be something on, along those lines. So there needs to be a, a, a fairness. You need to come in with an attitude that you need to make money. I don't want to spend more money than I need to, but we, we can come to an agreement. But a lot of times people, especially uh, even Christians, Christians, we come, sometimes get this idea that I need to have a deal. I'm blessed of God. Therefore, I will get a better deal than anyone else. But the, the same person will try and sell things for more money than it's worth, saying that God will help them and God will, will bless me in this. Well, you see, you can't have it both ways, because if you sow seeds of cheapness, then you're going to reap seeds of cheapness. If you're going to rip somebody off in a deal where you're the buyer, then someone else is going to be able to come along and rip you off when you are the seller. You have to have the same mindset that says, I want to give them a fair price in them buying a thing, and I want a fair price in me um, uh, getting the thing. Not just selling, but also, also in getting. And so, uh, you know, if you, well, it's just too much money, I just can't afford it. Well, then believe God. Believe God for more. I still remember that story. That I think I shared it with here one time. Brother Keith was sharing about it. 
he said uh, he had already entered into a contractual agreement with somebody for, and it must have been something big. You know, I don't remember him saying what it was, but it was something big. And, uh, you know, it took a long time for the whole thing to get together. And, and God was dealing with them. He says, uh, you need to change that contract and you need to pay him more money for, for this. More money? <laughs> I need to pay him more money? Yeah, yeah. You need to call him up and tell him that you need to pay him more money. And, uh, but that's what that came in his spirit to do. So he called him up and he says, uh, about that, uh, that deal that we have there. He says, oh, no, that's a deal. We, that's, we got that. I said, I know that's a deal. And I said, but, but God's been dealing with me on it, and I need to, we need to rewrite that deal, and I need to pay you more money. Hmm. He said, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people just don't do that. <laughs> but you see, if you have a mentality to bless others, then other people will have a mentality to bless you. If you have a mentality to rip off others, then others will have a mentality to rip you off. Don't sow those kind of seeds. Don't have that kind of thinking. Have a just, have a, a, a place in there where you, where you are fair. You have to be able to listen to all things. You cannot be fair listening to one side. You have to get in there and find out all the things that are, that are going on. What happens here and what happens there and, and so forth. But he says, whatever things are just. So how many times have our thoughts been, I think they ripped me off. I think if I do this, I can probably get more money. for. We're, we're thinking about things, about how not to be just. Those temptations will come in. But don't. Don't think that way. Get those thoughts out of your head. Have thoughts of justness. Have thoughts of fairness. No, no, that's not fair to them. No, that's not fair to me. I'm not thinking on those things. And, and get them out. Just like when you have a job, the, the enemy comes to you and he begins to say, you're not being paid enough. Is that a thought of justness? <laughs> no, you're, you're thinking, thinking, no, it's unfair. It's always unfair. They're ripping me off. Get, get those thoughts out of your head because it changes your attitude towards the people that are around you. So, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, then he goes on and says, whatever things are pure. Pure is speaking about moral, moral pureness. That things that, uh, things that are, are, are moral. Don't think about things that are immoral. Don't think about things that are, are wrong. Keep your thoughts in that area pure. Of purity. And so these are things that we need to, to think on. And not let the world pull us into a different way of thinking. So justness and pureness. And here's a, here's a real good one. Whatever things are lovely. Now, if you just think, well, there must be, you know, flowers, you know, kittens, and uh, all curled up in a ball, you know, things like that. That's not what this is. <laughs> That's not what this is. Uh, I, I put this in your outline for you. Anything you do that attracts love. Anything you do that attracts love. Because you can operate in such a way as to attract love from other people. Now, this isn't in your outline. I think I had to pull this out of it. But I, I have this in mind. Do things that pulls love out of others and attracts love toward yourself. Do things that pulls love out of others and attracts love toward yourself. That's what he's talking about. And be thinking about these things. Now, sometimes we can be thinking about things that are not so lovely. Things that are not going to pull love out of other people toward us. Things that are not pulling love out of us towards other people. They're, they're stirring up other, other feelings. 
And we can begin to think, well, that brother so-and-so, that sister and so-and-so, I just don't like what it is that they're doing. I just don't like what it is that they're saying. I just don't like how it is that they're acting. And we begin to think about these things. That's not stuff that will pull love out of me. And that's not stuff that will pull love out of them. So get that out. We're not talking flowers. Talking things that pull or attract love out of you, out of others. So whatever things are loving, whatever things are of good report. I put this in your outline. We just uh, talked about this not too long ago on Sunday mornings. Proclaim the best of someone else. Those are the things that are good reports. But what are most people tend to go to? Bad report. I got this bad report on somebody. I just can't wait to share it with somebody else. <laughs> we just like to share the, the bad reports with people. And, um, you know, I, I know no one here watches these things, but you probably know people who watch them. And those uh, soap operas that are on TV, <laughs> I know of them because my grandmother used to watch them. And they were in on the house. And they captivated her. I think she had about uh, three different ones that she was watching. And this is before you had VCRs. You actually had to sit down and, and watch the thing. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So she would sit there and she would do that. But what are those things filled with? Bad reports. All you're, all you're getting is the bad report on this person and the bad stuff on this person. That's what they're about. And it draws people in. He says, no, don't do it. Get on the good report side. Proclaim the best of someone else. I have this on mine, not meaning a lack of honesty, but not putting them down in front of others. You get somebody alone and there's a problem, you can sit down and you can talk to them about it. But don't be going around giving bad reports about other people to other, to other Christians, to other co-workers, to other people around. That's not your role. Don't even think about it. If you begin to think about these bad reports, you're going to say them with your mouth. Don't be thinking about it. How many times has the enemy come and given you a bad report on someone close to you? A family member? Co-worker? A boss? Comes in line with what we've been talking about on Sundays here recently and the accuser. He comes in and makes accusation. Don't think on those things. Kick them out. He says, think on those things that are of good report. If there is any virtue... This is moral excellence. If there's anything good in that thing, if there's not, if there's nothing moral in that, get it out of your head. Don't think on it. If there is any, if there's any, any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, anything worthy of praise, a lot of times what our thinking is, it's not worthy of praise. And we've got to get these, thing, these things out. If there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, think on, focus on, this is the thing that should dominate your thoughts. When it talks about meditate, this is things you go over and over again. Doug Jones had the best definition of meditate I, I ever remember. You probably remember me saying it a few times. Me, worry is corrupted meditation. So just think about that. He used to tell us, that worry the word. <laughs> just keep going over it and over it and over again. But he says, your meditation should be described in these things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These are the things that should dominate your, your, your thoughts. 
Now put this in your outline for you. Work more to control your thoughts, not your actions. You will have greater success changing your actions this way. If you change the way you think, you will change the way you act. The secret to the Christian life starts with the thoughts that you have. That's why the enemy attacks the thoughts. That's why his, his ways are there to get into how you're thinking. Because you know that's the way to get into what you're doing. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. Again, we're with the peace of God. <clears throat> the things which you have learned and received. Let's look at this whole verse overall. The things which you learned and received, heard and saw in me, these do. Notice there is one part doing and four parts taking in. If you focus more on what you take in than on what you put out, you will be in better shape. Too often for most people, it's kind of equal. We kind of have the same amount of what we take in as to what we put out. But you need to be having more stuff coming into you than you do having go out. Then what you have going out will be a better quality. He gave us four different ways. First off, the things which you learned. These are things that you studied. These are things that you heard taught. These are things that you read in a book, that you studied in a word. The things that you learned. But he didn't just stop with that. He said learned and received. Learned and received. You can learn something and not receive it. You can sit and hear something and not receive it. But we've got to receive that thing. I gotta take that and says, Yeah, I gotta bring that in. I gotta I gotta receive it. Just because it's uh, just like in football. Just because the football is thrown in your direction doesn't mean that you receive it. You gotta catch that you gotta get that ball and you gotta catch it and you gotta hang on to it. And there's people in football who try and knock the ball out of your hands as you catch it. But your job, if you are a receiver, is to catch it. Nothing more frustrating than seeing a perfectly designed pass and the ball comes down to somebody and they drop it. That's very frustrating. Very frustrating. And it's very frustrating for us as well at our Christian walk if God throws us the teaching, throws us the learning, throws us the concept, the thing that we need. Here it comes, it's coming down and I drop it. And I just let it go. I've got to, I've got to receive that thing. I've got to let that thing come in. And, all right, I don't understand that yet, but I've received that. And I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to sink on that. I'm going to get that thing down. The things which you have learned and received. Now, if you're making a list of things, don't you usually say, the things which you learned, received, heard, and saw. Isn't that the way you normally do it? Why is it things which you learned and received and heard and saw? If you were in English class and you wrote that, how many of you would get uh, red marks? <laughs> and rightfully so. Except that I think this is what Paul is trying to get at. The thing which you learned and received. The things that you receive are the things that you learn. So you learned them and received them. So that's one concept right there. Learned and received. Just because you learned it doesn't mean you received it. How many of you learned algebra but did not receive it? The things that you learned and received. And another concept here. 
the things that you learned and received and heard and saw. The things that you learned and received and heard and saw. Does that make a little bit more sense that way? The heard and saw is, is going in line together just as the learned and received is. Learned and received and heard and saw in me. Now, the heard and saw, I think, is more in me because he's not saying that they can only learn and receive from him. But he's saying what you heard and saw in me, these do. So there are things which you learned and received. And we constantly ought to be receiving things because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And we ought to be receiving things from him. And we ought to be learning in all the things that we are, are out there in, involved with. And if we get our thinking lined up the way we're supposed to, we're constantly learning. We're learning every, every aspect of life. The things that you learned and received and heard and saw. So he's saying this because he's not talking about hearing in the aspect of learning. He's already covered that. Learned and received. You can learn it all kinds of ways. You can read it. You can hear it. He says, learned and received and heard and saw. He's saying, you saw me living with you. You heard the things that I said. You saw the things that I did. The way that you heard me operate, the way that you saw me operate, those things do. So take the things that you learned and received and take the things that you heard and saw and these do. Does that make some, a little bit more sense to you hearing it that way? Understanding why he put so many ends in the passage. The things that you have le- learned and received. Now remember, there, I put in your outline there the four types of, of ground. Remember, some ground didn't receive the seed. The seed fell upon it, but it didn't receive it. We need to be receivers. Just because the word of God falls upon us, we need to be those who receive it. Because if we receive the seed, we'll produce. So he says, these do. Again, take in more than you put forth. Take in more. Take in all the things that you learned and received. Take in all the things that you heard and saw. Get those people out in front of you. Hear what they say. See what they do. And follow after that. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. These do. Not, we can't just, can't just stop with us learning and receiving or hearing and seeing. We've got to do them. Now, if we take all those things and do them, then he says, the, the God of peace will be with you. So we'll have the God of peace with us. The peace of God will be our guard. These are good things. But this is the third condition of peace is your meditation or your thoughts. Because if you control your meditation or thoughts, you control your actions. Control the things that you think on. As you go through the day, what kind of things are you thinking on? Are you thinking on what the doctor said? Are you thinking on what the economy economist said? Are you thinking on what they're saying around work? What kind of things are you thinking on? We were uh, at the group run last night, and <clears throat> there was a group of guys that I usually am running at least near. <laughs> and they, uh, they finished ahead of me, and they were talking, and they had this uh, young lady that was up there uh, uh, talking with them. 
And I'd seen her in there a few times, but she was never kind of in the group that we were there. And so they were talking about things. And so I was listening to her. And apparently she just got a job at Runner's World. I said, man, that's all right. Job at Runner's World. And so what do you do? So she named the guy that she was there. And I, I hear this guy all the time. He, he's talking on things, writes things. And so said, oh, that's real, real neat. Yeah, he's no longer with Runner's World. <laughs> Jesus' assistant just came on. He's no longer with Runner's World. Yeah, he's, he uh, left. His last official day is, and she named some date ahead of time, but he's already gone. And she said, yeah, it's kind of being a shake-up over there. We're not sure what the future of the place is and, and what's going on. And uh, I just kind of came on, so I'm not real sure what my job is. I said, man, you just land a nice, I mean, for a runner, getting a job at Runner's World is just really cool. That's just all right. To, 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 for anybody else, they probably wouldn't care. But if you're a runner and you get a job at Runner's World, I mean, come on. All the things that are available for you to do and... And um, this guy I was telling you about who left, he was talking about all the, all the stuff they had up there. I mean, they got some toys to play with. And they got some access to some people who know some things. And uh, just amazing. I heard him tell stories of people he got connected with because of where he's at with just amazing stuff. I said, oh, man, that's a shame. Just get this thing. And, and then just like that, it may already be gone. They said, yeah, it looks like they're going to be laying off about 100 people. Yeah, that's not... That's not good. I said, well, I still have my subscription. I don't know what else I can do for them there, but <laughs> I still have my subscription going on. But you see, you get around work, and people start talking about what well, things are going to fold, your job is going to go away, and you begin to think on those things, and it changes your actions. It changes the way that you, it changes your attitude towards the, towards the job. God doesn't say have those kind of thoughts. He even tells you in the Word of God, Jesus tells us, he says, don't be meditating or don't be thinking on what you're going to say when they bring you before the trials and, and uh, make you, you know, accountable for your faith or whatever it might be. Don't be thinking about that. See, if you go around and you think about, oh, how am I going to answer that? How am I going to do this? It changes you. No, you just go around and you do what you're supposed to do. If you get in that situation, then you'll, you'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. I... I have a lot of people that come to me and they say, what would you do in this situation? And I tell them all the same thing. I don't know. I'm not in that situation. (laughs) If I'm not in that situation, I can't draw on the Holy Spirit. But if you're in that situation, then you can draw on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can tell you, do this. But if you're not in that situation, you can't draw on the Holy Spirit to give you the answer. Well, sure you can. You can do it by faith. No, because Jesus said, don't do it. He said, if you're in the situation, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. So don't be thinking about them. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If the, if the Holy Spirit is leading you, hey, it's time to go on out here. Go over here. I got something for you. For a job, you can go follow the Holy Spirit, what he's saying to do. But don't do it out of fear. Just control what it is you're thinking on. Control what you're thinking on about other people. That's why he gave us that list. It controls what we think about other people, people that are close to us, people that we don't know. It doesn't make any difference. Control what you think about all of them. How many of you have thoughts about people you don't even know and never met? (laughs) All the time, when they pull out in front of you, in the car. Never met them, but you've got thoughts about them, haven't you? Those thoughts come to me all the time. You know, I get behind somebody, and they're not accelerating when the light turns green. I extend mercy. But then they go up to the turn and they don't have their turn signal on. I jump out of mercy kind of quick sometimes. All right, this is an idiot driver. 
<laughs> I don't want to be behind this driver. Because, you know, they made two mistakes in one block. I'm out. <laughs> I move around. Get a, we can't be doing that. I've got to control those thoughts that come on it. Because these are people we haven't even met and we've got thoughts about them. How much more for people that we have met and we do know and we've already classified. I think they might be an idiot. <laughs> we've come on. We've, we've classified that. I mean, like Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy stuff. If, if you're not on Facebook, you know, if you, I'm on his Facebook page and he puts stuff up and he says, uh, you might be a redneck, you know, <laughs> and he shows some things. He has shown some stuff out there. Oh, man. <laughs> It's just, uh, you, you wonder, are they being inventive or are they just being stupid? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll go with inventive. <laughs> uh, but we've got to be careful because our thoughts can go in the, in the wrong direction. And when our thoughts go in the wrong direction, our actions will follow. If you're wondering why you don't have peace in your relationships, it's because you let the long thoughts come in. You're not thinking the best about each other anymore. You're not thinking good things. You're not thinking just things. You always think things, well, they're wrong and I'm right. That's not a just thought because you're not always right. I'm not always right. There are times that I make mistakes too. There's times I don't accelerate when the light turns green. How many of y'all know it's okay when you do it? (laughs) There's a reason for why you didn't do it. But there's no good reason for why they didn't do it. (laughs) We've got to have just thoughts, <laughs> thoughts that are fair. And, so, and the, the enemy wants to lead us into things where we don't have that. Amen. <laughs> so he's saying, look, you heard me and you saw me. I operated in this way and you need to do it too. So the third condition of peace is your meditations or your thoughts. Verse 10, and we'll get back onto this next week, but we wanted to finish off here with, with these two verses. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. What he's saying here is that you guys took care of me financially. They were in partnership with him. Uh, There was a time when they they did not. But he's saying it's not because you didn't care. You just didn't have the opportunity. But now you had opportunity again, and you you sent some support to, to help us out. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So he's saying, I'm not saying that because I was in need and you were able to flourish in your ability to assist, that um, things are good. I'm not saying that. What he's saying is you've had an opportunity now, and, and now that you had an opportunity, you flourished in this area. But not that I speak in regard to need. I'm not talking about what I need. Because as far as, I, as I'm concerned, he puts it in here, for I have learned. Now that word there, learned, is a, a particular aorist. I did, I, if I learned this in Greek, I didn't remember it. I may have learned it because I'm sure I've forgotten uh, enough things from Greek class before. But um, this is a particular type of aorist that its, its focal point is not the past test, tense action, but the current result. And so what he's saying is, I have learned. Now notice it's a past tense action. It's not a thing that he is continually learning. 
sometimes we think that well you just always are no he says no I learned I already learned this I learned how to be content he does not give the indication here that this is something we grow into this is something you learn once and for all and a lot of people haven't quite gotten to that spot where they've learned this once and for all they're still learning or or still some spot they haven't got haven't gotten there yet now a lot of that is because we haven't got our thoughts right a lot of that is because we haven't got our gentleness and rejoicing right. We haven't got the things going on for peace because if you get the peace of God to work in your life, you will be content in all things. The fact that you're not content in certain things is because the peace of God is not present. If the peace of God is not present, go back to his first three things that you need to do. Rejoice in gentleness, trust. Get those things, get your meditations going on. If you get those things right, the peace of God will be in you. But he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And he'll go on and he'll talk about some of those states, but we can think of some of the states that he's been in. <clears throat> Shipwrecked. Now we're told that he, he wrote this letter from Rome. When he got in Rome, he had that great big shipwreck. And he's on the, the waters for all those weeks in the storm. He said, whatever situation I'm in, I've learned, past tense, with the present result, that I'm content. <laughs> that's, uh, that's quite a thing. Now, this is not automatic. You don't learn how to be content by being, being born again. That won't get it for you. Because there's a lot of born again people who are not content in their situation. And we tend to blame the people that are around us. And we tend to blame the situations that we're in, the job we're in the uh, house we're in, the car we drive, the money in our bank account. We can blame all kinds of situations for the reason why I'm not content. But Paul says, no matter what situation, whether I had a little, whether I had a lot, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm fed, whatever situation I'm in, I've been content. Now, I wanted to read these. Oh, and I forgot to bring them over. guess I can't read them for you. Well, we're going to be on this next week, so I'll bring them over. For you next week, Williams and Weist had some great translations on these, these verses, so we'll pull them in from, for us next time. But contentment. Are you, are you content in the relationships that you have? Are you content with the job that you have? Are you content with the money that you have? Are you content with the car that you have? Are you content with the weather that we're in? Are you content with the clothes that you have? Are you content? You name whatever it is. Are you content with it? If not, we can get there. Because Paul says, I learned this. I already did it. I already learned it. I don't have to continue to keep on learning it. I already have learned that whatever state I am in, therein to be content. It's a place you can get to. And contentment is wonderful. But the peace of God will lead you into this. Until we get to that spot, we will, because the accuser will come in, and he will tell us, the reason I am not content, the reason I am not in peace, is because of this person in my life, or because this person is not in my life, or because this job stinks, or because I haven't got this job yet. Or because I don't have enough money. Or I'm not being paid enough. Or I have too much money. 
I haven't heard anybody talk about that yet, but <laughs> we can come up with all kinds of things and all kinds of situations and re- find reasons why we are not content. But look what Paul says here. He's real clear. For I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. Whatever state I am in to be content. We can get there. I can get to a place that I am content. And if I'm not, stop blaming the people and the situations and the circumstances that are around us. Because as long as you blame them, you will never be content. Because you can't learn what is dependent on other people to do. What you learn is what is dependent on you to do. And if you do what the Word of God says here, the three things, get that gentleness evident to all men and be rejoicing. That's the first one. Rejoicing and gentleness. They kind of go hand in hand. You be rejoicing, you're going to be gentle. Get those things going. Have that happening in your life. Don't be anxious and worried and fretful. Learn to trust in God. Well, I do trust in God, but I just get worried about, well, then you're not trusted in God. Because if you're worried, you aren't trusted. Just think about that that little kid, little two-year-old. Thunderstorm comes and they're afraid. What do they do? Crawl up with mom and dad and they hide in mom and dad and they are no longer worried because mom and dad are here and I trust in them. They're not thinking about all the implications that can mom or dad actually stop a lightning bolt from coming in and they're not thinking about that. All they think about is I trust you and I'm here with you. Therefore, it's okay. That's all we need to do with him. Get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the fear. And then control the thoughts. Bring everything to this list. Does it fit this list? Am I thinking thoughts, well, they're wrong and I'm right. That's not just. Because what the Word of God teaches me to do is to, where did I go wrong? What is it that I could have done differently? I always like those people who come up to me, come up to you, well, just people in general, and just say, I'm sorry, but... I'm sorry I said that, but you just drive me crazy. I'm sorry I did that, but you just make me so angry. That's not an apology. That's a justification for why you did what you did. We wouldn't do that to God, would we? We don't go to God and say, I'm sorry, but... At least we shouldn't. (laughs) But with people, we'll do it. Because we haven't come into a place of peace we haven't come into a place of contentment. If we came into a place of peace and had a place of contentment, we could come right before God and say, Father God, I messed up. <laughs> it's just me. But we have that so much peace in our life that I know I'm okay. God's okay with me. I come, I confess, and we get it straightened out and we go on. And see, then I can pass that same attitude on other people. And that's what God wants us to be able to do. Have that peace. We ought to be so at peace that nothing going on around us can ruffle us. Nothing can get us undone. No matter how insane the people are that are around us, we don't get ruffled. We constantly be in a place of rejoicing and gentleness. We constantly stay in a place where our thoughts 
are under our control. And I will not distrust my God because there is no situation that he does not already know was coming and has already made adequate preparation. Just trust in him. If we do that, it will change us. Boy, it will help us. Put in your outline, if I make sure that the three conditions of peace are at work in my life, then whatever circumstances I find myself in, content I will be. And if I don't, we will blame the people and situations around us for our lack of peace and contentment. Don't, don't do that. Don't follow after that way. Keep in the way of peace and you'll learn how to be content no matter what is going on. Father, I thank you for the contentment that we can have. We don't have to be constantly yearning for something more, coveting those things that aren't ours. But Father, we are at peace. We think on the right things. We trust in our God. And we always stay in a state of rejoicing and being gentle with those around us. I thank you, Father, this mentality can be in us and we can learn how to be content in all things, no matter where we are, what people do to us, how people treat us, what people say. And if we bring ourselves to a place of being content, bring ourselves to a place of great peace, we will find that the people around us will behave differently. That we will bring out the love in them toward us as the love from us goes to them. I give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name.